Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. Welcome to another episode. Today, we have Deviant Olaf with us to talk about the world of lockpicking, physical security, as well as some of his more interesting stories that he's had while he's on an engagement before. So thank you for joining us today. Super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So on the world of physical security, can you tell us some of the organizations that you've been involved with and you know what, what yeah. you do with them right now? So I have had the pleasure of kind of going way back just as physical security was becoming a more approachable topic that people were willing to speak about publicly for a long time. I mean, people know that obviously government types and other specialists have been doing covert entry work and physical security work for ages. And likewise, even in the hacker community, you could think about the MIT lockpicking guide from Ted the Tool and students, you know, going hacking all the way back then meant the, the tunnels and the bridges and the rooftops. Heck, I used to date someone at MIT and she had the original hacking card, like a little plastic card, and they were using it to shim into secure doors to get places they weren't supposed to be. So this was percolating through the underside of the hacker world and the tech world. But it really wasn't until just around 2000, I would say, maybe just prior to that, that we started seeing real talks and workshop areas where people were bringing locks and lock picks into the chill out spaces at hacker cons. And many of us may be aware of a lot of the Dutch and German influence in the sport picking community where they were actually doing head to head competitions at some of the European hacker events. And fortunately, you know, air travel is a thing. So before you know it, there's Dutch folk and Germans and other people and some of our own American friends who were doing this privately for industry like Laz, you know, Laz. Uh, giving mm-hmm. HackerCon talks in front of American audiences just around the turn of the century. So those of us who went to Hope Conference, the H2K, H2K2, that was the first time for many, myself included, of really seeing professional voices saying, hey, you can you can do this. You don't, There's nothing stopping you guys. And yeah, it was really neat. It was right around. We had a lot of a lot of the Colorado crew from DEF CON started bringing locks and lock picks to DEF CON and setting up kind of competitions with little timers and little mini table games. And this all coalesced together when Tool, the open organization of lock pickers, which had existed in the Netherlands as one of the sport groups, found its way to the American shores. And we started to see Tool forming little proto chapters in the United States from people who had met them, the Europeans or had conversed with them online. So you have Bobak, one of our friends. I mean, he had a little lock picking club at university when he was in Iowa. And then we have, you know, people at the Princeton University area. And that's, I'm from Philadelphia. So I was meeting people at Princeton and all of these little tool meetings before, before anybody did legal paperwork tools, now a big nonprofit that shows up everywhere. You see the big three O's, but I was with tool from right around the start. And then as tool became formalized, I have been on the board of directors. I think I might by this point be the longest serving ever on the board of directors uh, of Tool, the nonprofit. And then I also learned as I grew up that you can buy things with money and it can be traded for goods and services. So in addition to being a nonprofit with lockpicking, I do have companies that do this kind of work. Uh, my firm, The Core Group, we have done covert entry, penetration, and consulting. 
through through them is how we, of course, met Drew, who has partnered with us on some jobs, and then really partnered us in a big way when a number of a number of key principles from his firm, our firm, and outside talent and other folks who said, "Look, the industry really kind of needs a kick in the pants." And Drew said, "Yeah, you know, we look around and, and people are asserting that they they do physical security, or they do on-site penetration." And this is not to poo-poo people who have great social engineering skills, but tailgating your way in or pretexting your way into a building and being like, oh, look, I got in, that's not the same thing as, as doing real covert entry work. And that was the impetus for Red Team Alliance to be created. The idea that tacticians and people who are doing field work should really understand systems in and out and not just, oh, you know, I kind of bypassed uh, this one door and now I'm in the building. The question is, well, what, what do you... What are you going to do with that? Can you get into all the filing cabinets? Can you get into the server room? Can you get into this secured area? Can you demonstrate impact? What if they have electronic locks? What if they have safes? And being able to speak to all of that and more has been really rewarding these past few years because that's that's what we do. And it's what we want to make sure others can understand the capabilities of as well. And, and that's uh, for, for folks that are not particularly in tune with security conferences these days. And as somebody who has only entered into the industry within like the last 10 years, Lockpicking villages are kind of like the standard at most industry security conferences at this point. It is rare that you'll go to a security conference where there is not a table that you can go to and mess around with lockpicks and locks. And like, it's just part of it's it's kind of part of the culture now. It's like that is something that you that you actually figure out how to do. I remember my my first conference was B sides Atlanta. Um, then Ace Hackware set up their uh, their lockpicking village, and I'm just like some. Dumber than I am currently, college kid that rolls up and they're like, "Oh, you should try this." Like, no, 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 I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, no, 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 just, just try this three pin lock. I was like, "Okay, show me how." And I was like, "Boop, open." It's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe that that just worked." And I think I immediately bought a set of picks and immediately went home and opened all of my doors. And I think I messed up one of the deadbolts, and I was just like hooked. Um, but the the the. One of the things that I really enjoy about Tool, there's a lot of stuff that I really like about it, but I really enjoy the games that y'all set up. What's your favorite Tool game that you have had at a security conference? So I I can't limit it to one answer. I mean, everyone who knows me probably has seen at some point this crazy game called Gringo Warrior, where it was essentially a reverse escape room. It was an escape game, really. And the narrative was you were kidnapped by corrupt forces somewhere, you know, in, in Mexico or Latin America, and could you could you escape to freedom? And you know, you're you're in a one room, you got to get out of that room. Sometimes you're in restraints, get out of your restraints, get out of the room. Now you're in a building, so can you get open filing cabinets and lock containers to get your confiscated passport back and other things? Can you steal a uniform from a locker so you can dress up like the enemy? And then can you pick another door to get out of the building? We even had car locks at one point. Can you then steal a car, you know, steal one of the patrol cars and drive back home? Uh, and people people got a kick out of it. And the reason, I mean, it's a, it's, sure, it's a funny game. It's fun to watch. That's really, for me, what I'm most proud of is it's, you know, there's plenty of lockpicking games. There's plenty of all kinds of cool hacks and challenge games at cons. Can you make a game? And this goes honestly for, I mean, a lot of us are in the shooting sports world, right? Can you make a stage which is accessible to many shooters, but still will allow the best shooters to be top marks and not have everyone just par out instantly? 
because that's boring for everyone else as well. Well, that person didn't complete. Oh, that person didn't complete. And what we hit on, what we built in this game was for every challenge, like get out of the door, open the filing cabinet. It was a, a, a little lock stand, but we put, I built just different locks. I built easy, medium, and hard. And people could choose their own path through the game and the locks at different point values. So even first time, you remember the first time you're at the village and you're getting some locks, you might feel intimidated. Oh, I don't want to try that game. And we were like, no, 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 you totally should. Just try the easy locks. You'll you'll be surprised. You'll mm-hmm. get it. And that person would have a ball. They would fly mm-hmm. through and, you know, they'd get stumble here, try another one there, and then complete. Everyone cheers. Confetti. But if someone's very skilled, they're trying the hard locks and they're get they're racking up more points, right? So they complete. And it's not like they felt, oh, that other, the first, the first kid who just tried his first time ever, he beat me by four seconds. Well, yeah, but you know, the time points are the same, but you just, you picked, you're picking spool pin locks, you're picking advanced, you're picking real hard doors. You get the top marks and we were giving away prizes. Everyone, that's the great thing about lock picking. It's an endeavor where everyone should be able to get to play either in a competition or at the table. There's space for everyone to try it. But if you're really skilled, you can keep challenging yourself and the sky is the limit. You can you can really push yourself further the better you get. Yeah, I was really bummed out when they stopped doing that challenge at DEF CON because I actually had never participated in it myself. And yeah, why, why I, did they I gave it away. Yeah, I gave all the parts away to some group of uh, – there was a college team and they said, hey, we're running an event at our school. We want to try to – I think they might have been at UT Austin or something when I was down there. And they said, can we use the game? And I said, yeah, you know, you want to try it? I, I would really, I, I kind of have started and then given away so many things over the years. I kind of want to see that if, if an idea of mine is good, it shouldn't take me to run it. I should be able to pass it off. So like the beer cooling contraption contest, like I started the beer cooling contest at DEF CON. I started this cooking contest one year and that, the, you know, the titanium chef still sort of runs. So that's what I've done with everything, including a lot of my lock games, other games like much quieter, more subtle game. But for those who really know inside of locks, there can be anti-pick pins. Well, can you pick spool pins? Okay, that's fine with challenge locks, but I built a game that was just a whole wall of locks. And I said, in every one of these locks, there's a spool pin somewhere and a serrated pin somewhere. Find them. You know, I I don't care how many times you can pick the locks. I don't care how fast you can pick the locks, but can you actually, as we like to say, see with your hands Put up or shut up with your tactile feedback. And people were submitting like worksheets at the, you know, getting like school grades from, a, you know, our staff were like checking with the answer key. And I like that. I like that it was a subversion of expectation. It wasn't a big fanfare and people could take as long as they want, but it rewarded a skill that we talk about a lot in training class. But how often do we really test people in practice? And the taking it from the conference and going into the professional realm right? Obviously, you've been able to do that successfully. You've taken what, uh, you know, uh, I've heard you describe as a hobby before and make it into a career and then mm-hmm. then start a, you know, successful consulting firm around that. If someone was looking at that time to, to get into the physical security space, the pen testing mm-hmm. space, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So this is one that I have to be careful in my answer because I don't want it to sound self-serving or, or cynical or crass. Everyone that I know, especially in this space, in the security world in, in general, 
most people that you were like, oh, that, I love and respect that person. Pretty much everyone you've recognized as a name is, is a 10 year overnight success. They're, they're a person who just did the grind, the absolute grind. And they took regular salary jobs at different companies to gain experience. And then when they were really ready, they kind of launched their own firm. And uh, people always love to say, well, it takes money to make money. And how do you get money to start a business? Well, it's because people have been skimping and saving and investing really wisely. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to make that big leap. And remember, most small businesses fail. So think about if you really want to get into this industry, there's nothing wrong. With, you don't have to start your own company right away. People sometimes, it's really interesting when I go to a lot of government classes, I find a lot of people coming right out of the service and they're like, oh, I'm here to learn how to do this because I want to start I want to start a company that does X. I want to build skiffs. And like, I don't know how much, I mean, I know we, we need, everyone needs a skiff, I guess, if you're doing contract work, but like, I don't know, we need that <laughs> many skiff builders in the world. I don't know how they're just, I'm going to start a business. Okay. Uh, it's like when we went to this big mall in Asia and like every floor of the mall had at least two booths that were refilling printer ink. Like, I understand if you want to pay cheap printer ink, you can refill an ink cartridge, but how's that that much business to sustain this business model? So yes, there is work out there for what we do in the covert entry space, but you're not going to just start a new company immediately. Um, getting work for a firm that already does what we do. There are some firms that are hiring. It, it always varies. The bigger the bigger firms sometimes will have a real swell season and then they'll hire for a while and then then kind of it goes away for a bit. But it's the names you might think. I, I know that Mandiant has people who do this. I know that Rapid7 has people who do this. Uh, big names like Coal Fire. But getting getting in with companies like that and saying, hey, I want to I want to know how to do you know, can you hire me to break in? I pick some locks, lockpick village. Chances are they're going to say, that's awesome. I love your enthusiasm. A, do you have any credentials? Like what, what more do you, what more can you do? And B, do you have anything on the digital side? People are less and less likely to want to hire exclusive specialists these days who only know one thing because having a diverse team is important. If the person who's the best at this, and the person who's the best at that. But if this person's sick or this person's on another job, can one person kind of cover both bases? Can can you understand how to, if you break in the building, can you jack into the network? Can you run Cali, right? And if all you are is a network person from the outside of the building, you can pop their Wi-Fi and you're like, I can see all this stuff on their systems. Okay, what if the boss point of contact says, all right, see if you can get in the conference room, drop a pineapple. Do you know anything about physical exploitation and entry? So being a well-rounded individual is really critical. And that's where, uh, again, I don't want to sound self-serving, but the fact that one of the things Red Team Alliance does is training. And many people who have gotten into the industry have gotten through training classes as a path, as much as a path of name recognition, making connections and meeting other people. That's a value too. Uh, when we are in other, when we're in government training classrooms, we're always making connections with the people there. And that will serve you very, very well. Training, absolutely. And I think we, we've actually spoken about it. We actually have an episode specifically on how do you break into the industry. And we talk about like bug bounty and we talk about stuff mm -hmm. like Vulnhub and um, like CTFs and CTF time and all these different things. And in a lot of, a lot of these sub-disciplines within the hacking space you can get pretty far on your own because it's like, oh, I'm going to download a vulnerable uh, ISO image and then spin it up in, in VMware or something like that. 
but I think that that really changes when you start talking about the physical world, right? Is that it's like, yes, if, you, if I'm learning how to exploit software and networks and stuff like that, I can emulate networks and I can download software to practice. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, I want to learn how to break into elevators, I want to learn how to break mm -hmm. into buildings. Um, it turns out that it's, it's a bit more expensive to build a building yeah. that you're going to practice on. And so I think this sort of training that, that you and Drew do is especially helpful for folks um, I just that are trying the, to get into that work. The black with the white letter. You wouldn't download an office building. <laughs> well, okay. Metaverse is coming. You would download it. You, you might, in fact, end up downloading an office building and pirating one. <laughs> and then, you know, the, another thing that we hear in the industry, um, especially in the, what I'll say, in the hacker community, it's a saying that like, you know, uh, locks keep honest people honest, and uh, I know you. So much. You you definitely have a problem with that phrase, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts mm -hmm. around that phrase. So that phrase, locks only keep honest people honest. While there is a kernel of truth in it, it has become something of either a clapback. Or a way where novice people try to make themselves sound smart. It's almost like a cocktail party clink of the glass. It's, uh, I mean, we, again, I'm not going to just talk guns all day, but there's a lot of that in the firearm world, right? Where someone will say, well, you know, the only thing that's important is to make sure your direct impingement is running unobscured. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. Like if you're, DI to, you know, the M16 craps where it eats. Okay, sure. Like, yes, I understand a DI gun will have certain fouling. But if, if all of your, like, your knowledge doesn't extend beyond a quip, you're missing much more of the big picture. And likewise, what, what people mean, let's actually give some credit where the phrase deserves and then explain why overuse of that phrase as a crutch to sound smart in conversations is actually harmful. When someone says, well, locks only keep honest people honest. It's a, first of all, it's a clumsy phrase. It makes it sound like there's honest people walking down the street, trying every door. And if a door wasn't locked, they would what? Like go in and steal things. I would call that a dishonest person from the get go. What we actually mean and this is something I've really tried to hammer since the early days of all my public speaking is that there are different types of locks. And I have a video that I'm going to put out on, on in a few weeks about this. There are security locks, right? And there are symbolic locks. And I, everyone will understand this right here. Your bathroom. Your bathroom probably has a lock on it. In a hotel, in your house, in a college dorm. We might change the word honest to the word polite. And I think this really helps convey what I mean. The bathroom lock, sure, you can call it a lock. It's a piece of hardware built into the handle set of a door that holds the door from operation with the handle. That is a lock. But if someone said, oh, lock up this the crown jewels, this valuable Fort Knox gold, no one would say, well, I got to rush out to Home Depot and get that bathroom door lock. Because in your mind, you understand that's not a security product. What it is, and it, this is a really neat thing, they were originally called communication locks, Schlage products. Imagine you, you get a little hmm. push button, right? 
Schlage Products, Allegion, the Schlage company, Walter Schlage had his communication lock back in the day, which was just a push button on each side of the door. So that if you were in like an adjoining room with a suite of some kind, and if you were getting dressed, you could push the, the push button and someone who tried to enter the room go, oh, and it would just cause them to pause, knock for, hey, you know, Carruthers, are you in there? It's almost time for Brandy, <laughs> you know. And likewise, if you wanted to lock your side, like you could push your little push button and either person could overcome the push button by pushing it back the other way by pulling. But it was meant to cause someone to pause. It was a communication device, not a security device. Many locks that get made fun of on like TikTok and Twitter and stuff today. Uh, here's a classic example would be someone's like, look at the fence of my apartment building. It's stupid. And it's a four or five foot high fence. And there's a, you know, a gate handle on it. And there's footage of someone showing them with their phone, like, look at this. I can just reach over it. And I, duh, derpy, derpy. Sure. That is a communication lock, though. That is not a security lock. What's wrong is when the management company might say, we have a gated community for your protection. Well, no, you really don't. What you have is a communication lock. It causes honest people to pause, but... It's not going to stop a dedicated attacker. What it does stop and it removes is the oops excuse. If I use the privacy lock on a bathroom and someone barges into that bathroom, they had to get a little like tiny screwdriver or something. They can't go, oops, I didn't know you were in here. It's like, what's wrong with you? Of course, you know, I was in here. The little button was pushed. If you have that apartment building and someone wants to do a little something shady. Maybe they're stealing packages. They're casing the joint. They're just, you know, somebody doesn't belong there. Maybe they're looking for an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend, you know, any domestic issue. And they, they're on the sidewalk and they're just kind of looking around. All right. Well, that person's on the sidewalk. If there's no fence and they just walk right up to the building and they're kind of sniffing around at the building and, hey, is my former love interest home? Even if they're like right up near the glass or something, someone comes around walking a dog. They go, hey, what are you doing? If there's no fence, they can say, oops, I was um, I was looking for my friend Frank or oh, I was just cutting through to get to my, my cars on the on the back alley. There's an oops excuse that's valid because there's no fence, right? If there's a fence, even a low fence and you could reach over it, sure. And there's a handle on the inside. Yeah. But if you get caught on the lawn or up around the building no one said you couldn't break in, but they did say you can't be like, hey, what are you doing there? Oops, I'm not supposed to be here. Well, no, you're not supposed to be here. You clearly hopped a fence. You reached over a fence, buddy. So that is a symbolic lock. It helps to delineate and demarcate where someone's property is. And I like, yeah, locks Locks keep polite people polite. We might, maybe we can make an effort to change that or at least make an effort to understand that different locks do different things. Because what really gets us in trouble is the idea when you say, well, locks keep honest people honest. That's all they do. That's really, it throws up people's hands. Well, if I have a high value asset, I want something that's better than a mere symbolic lock. I want a high security lock. I want actual defense in depth with multiple layers of protection. And if all someone has heard is, well, locks only keep honest people honest, they'll throw away all this other knowledge. They won't think deeper. And it makes people very bad practitioners of security. That's why I don't like the phrase because people use it to think they're being witty and shut down valid discussion. It's, a, it's like a very Bill Maher kind of thing. 
if you come up with a one-liner that makes the room laugh, you, you've dismissed the need for further discussion. Why discuss it further? Didn't you hear me? I laughed at it. You shouldn't be talking about it anymore. Don't think more on the subject. Hmm. That's my feeling there. That so for the, for the rest of us that are in this conversation, I think we're we're pretty up to date with the sort of work that you do. Um, but for our audience, uh, can you kind of dive into the sort of work you do, what you're doing on your day to day, and what mm -hmm. specifically qualifies you to hold this opinion? Because um, I do think, like, of all the people to offer this opinion, you're, you're sure you're an authority on the on the on the matter. Well, I mean, we've got, you know, we, we've got a bunch of certificates on the wall from from many government agencies. Uh, I am, in addition to a person who shows up at your local hacker con, right? I am a safe and vault technician. I am accredited through SAFTA. Uh, I have ALOA certifications. ALOA is the Associated Locksmiths of America. I am certified to work as a safe and vault technician on GSA products. The GSA containers are what we use in government vaults, government classified document storage, I routinely am called into, I love the sanitized language of our trade, to neutralize uh, government safes and vaults and things when they misbehave, <laughs> and to do so either overtly or covertly. So much of what we train other professionals to do at Red Team Alliance is what we do professionally, which is not always breaking out the carbide and the cutters and the steel, but getting in and getting out, as Drew would say, unnoticed, right? Being able to non-overtly to very surreptitiously or covertly without causing damage and fuss and sparks, can you get into or out of a secured space? Uh, we get, you know, if I reach over on my shelf here, uh, everyone can appreciate what is the best, the best hacker movie that has ever been made, right? <laughs> uh, God rest the late cast members who are no longer mm -hmm. with us from sneakers. So their job is to break into places to tell others whether or not they can break into their places. That is what I and others like me, uh, Drew included, and others who work with us do. We are hired by someone with the authority to say, go break into that structure. Don't tell them you're coming. And we get as far as we can and we get out, hopefully without being interdicted, without being caught. We do everything from pick the locks to compromise the access control systems, tamper with the alarms. And that involves a lot of reconnaissance on site, concocting of cover stories in case you get challenged. So that what, who are you and what are you doing in here? The old joke is, I'm a locksmith, and I'm a locksmith. But the, you can't say that. In the real world, you have to say, no, I mean, I'm here with ADP. Uh, your payroll system wasn't working correctly. I'm actually servicing this time clock. Uh, here's my work order, and here's my business card. And Keith Frank Johnson hired me, the person who you've already done the research of who actually would that person be, and you timed the hit so that that person is on vacation and they can't reach them. Uh, yeah, you have so many different layers of security that you're breaking through and you have so many layers that you're putting on top of your cover story and your protection so that if you get interdicted by somebody you've got to be able to lie cheat and steal your way out of it and on, on that topic do you have any of your like greatest hit stories that you can share about whether it's it's breaking into a building or whether it was successful or unsuccessful like I'm sure that you have some that, that, that come to mind. Anything that you can share with us? Yeah. I, I'm, anyone who has followed me online has heard versions of some of these stories, not all of these stories. But we'll, we'll go with kind of the great team success and the great client success because both are really important. They're both really good learning opportunities for the client as much as for us. Uh, one, one job, at least one person on this Zoom has uh, 
is familiar with because he was involved, right? So a a massive facility, call it a, a critical infrastructure facility out in a ruralish area. And this facility was undergoing a lot of growth and, and expansion, which is, again, we talk about this in our surveillance class. What you see from Google Earth might not be the reality on the ground. We got there and like, wow, there's whole new buildings that are going. There's a whole different construction crew on that west side of campus. So we had to adapt and change our change our procedures. And Drew and others spent a lot of time army crawling through dirt, putting putting surveillance glass on target, learning what what crew was showing up. And all right, Sheridan is doing the high steel, and who's this? This is McMaster is doing the electrics. And okay, we're developing cover stories, figuring out how to get in the fence line. There was a lot of just watching the vehicle checkpoint and understanding the patterns of vehicles and understanding well. They talk to the guard, but it looks like they don't badge in with the guard. And Okay, but they badge in over there. But if we tailgate, we can probably, the clear time is such with the, all right, we can come up with a, come up with a way to do it. And in our classes, we really talk about how when we were probing them, we had different outs. We said, well, if that doesn't work, you K-turn and leave. And if, if this doesn't work, what you'll do is you'll change your story. If the guard has to go back to the booth, you, you quickly swap the ID that you showed them and they come back and they, what are you doing here? You go, well, I'm. I'm I'm here for the gas company, and they said, "Was that the badge you just showed me?" Well, yeah, it's the badge I was holding. All right, well, no, they're on they're three streets away. So we had all this plan, and we figured out how to beat the fence line, which involved some very good social engineers and some people in the trunks. And you know, we're on campus, we're having a lot of victories. Once once you're inside edge perimeters, you can start really doing a lot of damage. A lot of buildings are this way, where you get past the perimeter fence, the perimeter door. We're in and out of a lot of spaces and we're having so much success that our point of contact is saying, hey, you know, you're really like you've been here all week. You're hitting every building. Can We've got to really try to get you to go big enough to cause something that makes our guards react. On the kickoff call, uh, you said something about you could do destructive entry. Can we talk about <laughs> what would destructive entry look like? And we're like, well, what do you, what do you have in mind? I mean, you got this, you're literally building the buildings. Like we don't have to break up your new brand new buildings. And they said, well, you said something about drilling locks. Can you drill locks and doors? I mean, we can, if you'll authorize us. And they did, which was a shock. And they said, all right, for instance, keep the damage under this dollar amount. Tell us what you're going to do and we'll see what happens. And there's footage literally of a colleague and I on our team. And we're in, you know, you're in the full high vis. And this was a site where construction was a thing, but it's weird to see two guys with a big high-speed drill, like drilling into a completed structure. We're not putting <laughs> up girders. Like, why are you drilling into that? And in the in the sock, our point of contact is even looking at this, looking at it, looking around his people, and he's like, "Hey, um, can you can you bring up monitor seventeen? Let's main screen that. Put it up." And he's like, "What's um, what's going on on the west side?" What's going on, on the west side of the uh, junction house? Do we have do we have Sheridan over there working on doors today? Are they on that side of campus right now? Because this is mid afternoon and we're making a ton of racket, right? And there was so much going on at this company, and the sock was getting so many pass on notes. They were like, "Yeah, I think um, I saw I saw something about this. I think I, th- I think we're doing doors." And was like. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. So, you know, we get a message. They're like, go, go bigger. Go, how much bigger do you want? So at that point, Robert and I just started 
intentionally not even masking the alarm circuits. We try to, again, we teach this in, in, the, in the class about how to identify door position switches. We're just popping doors open, bypassing them, letting screamer alarms go off. And eventually, after like bang, 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 we're, 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 we're hearing on the radio because Robert stole a radio, you know, dispatch mobile units to the, the you know, West Side campus. Something's wrong with all these doors. So, you know, mobile units, they're, wa- they're walking through the building. We know they're looking for us. And I, you know, we're trying to get caught. At this point, I'm trying to bypass another door. They come down the, hey, 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 guys, uh, can you, can you put the, put that down for a minute? I got this big under door tool. Well, yeah, yeah. How's it going? <laughs> and they say, yeah, um, was that, did you, did you guys come in through the west side of that building? Uh, that entrance over there, the, the, the fire controls room. And I was like, oh yeah, that was loud. Those sirens are pretty loud. And they're like, yeah, we, uh, okay. What are you doing here? And we were really ready to, you know, you have an authorizing letter that says, uh, this is a security test. I'm authorized to be here. Blah, 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 blah. And we're ready. I mean, Robert tells the story where he, he was reaching in his pocket with his hand on the letter just to have to whip it out. And, you never know what's going to happen. I, the guys, what, what are you guys doing here? I just looked right at the guard. I was like, what does it look like we're doing? And it broke his brain <laughs> because he's looking around and we're not running. We're clearly wearing a tire that looks like we work there. We have badges. Our badges didn't do anything yet. We couldn't clone the credentials to the types of badges we had. But the guy's like, well, it looks like you're trying to get through that door. But I see you have a radio and I see that you work here. I don't know if your foreman didn't tell you. You can just radio for remote unlocks. You don't have to, oh, you know, pop doors. No. And we're like, oh, that would be way easier. I'm sorry we disturbed you. He's like, yeah. And this guard just, boop, he just boops us in. And he's like, all right, fellas, yeah. So we're like, oh, oh my man. God. Yeah. And that it just kept getting, because, you know, get, we had to go crazier and crazier to finally get caught. At which point we just had more team members keep creating alarms. I acted like a lunatic. I stole a bike uh, from like next to a building. I was just biking around like the dirt berms, <laughs> like I was, you know, some BMX movie. And, you know, eventually they realized something weird was going on the campus. There's alarms going off in all the wings. The mobile trucks were trying to chase down crazy bike guy. And, you know, during the after action, we said, look, this is what you look for. This is we were hired. They had never expected that anyone would hit us like that. Uh, they'd never expected a team of people to be, they expected, you know, it's a rural area. It's a heavy industry. Like they're expecting people to show up, trying to steal copper and run at the first sign of a guard. They weren't expecting people to show up knowing what they were doing and being calm and collected in the face of potential interdiction. So that was a big win for us. That's a, it's a win and a good oh, story man. to boot. Now, That's wild. The, the flip side is again, rural setting. Not near any big, because big cities, uh, big buildings that have multiple tenants, a lot of people coming and going, those, those are hard for clients to really respond to a team like us because they're used to seeing visitors. They're used to seeing, well, I'm working in the, I'm on the floor downstairs. Uh, I was just looking for the coffee. They said it's up. There's just a lot of people coming and going. Rural areas are harder. And in some instances, very hard. We had uh, an agribusiness. So imagine food production, right? There was a company that said, hey, can you, you know, can you hit us? It was a little town. Again, not much around. And we did our job. We did our recon, got our cover stories. And the moment we were really close to the building, like in town, 
as again, Rob, one of our colleagues will tell it. He's like, he was standing at the post office and he was watching people and they're coming in and out and everyone knows everyone's name. Hey, Mary. Hey, Susie. How's it going there, Frank? Hey. And he's like, we are going to stand out like we are Martians at the Victoria's Secret runway show. Like we are not, we do not belong here. And sure enough, we were on campus. We weren't even in a building. We had, we had probed the buildings and we were weakening some of the access control devices on the perimeters. We were just walking across a parking lot and it was Sunday morning. We chose Sunday morning because small town America, we're like, everyone's either asleep on the couch after football or they're at church. Place was dead. One employee was driving through town, not even working, just driving through town. And he saw, he's like, huh, there's some people in the parking lot. Turned around, came back through town because he didn't recognize us. And this guy watched us at one point, far, far away parking lot. He watched us badge into a building as he pulled into the parking lot. And he st- we were like, that's got to satisfy anybody. There are, our badges are working. We've compromised the access control system. Dude started going building to building looking for us and eventually found us and was like, hi, how are you? I'm curious what you're doing here today. Is there anything I can help you with? And we're like, oh, yeah, we had our, st- oh, yeah, we got sent here from the Wyoming office. He's like, no. I don't think you were. I would have heard about it from Frank. We're like, no, Frank sent us. Our point of contact here is, you know, Susan. Susan brought us on. He's like, I think Susan might have talked to me about that. Do you mind if I give Susan a quick call? And he was not to be denied, man. And ima- imagine that. Imagine feeling that there was something maybe hinky, like you drive by your place of work and you see a grounds crew or something. Because, you know, we, were, we look like service technicians. And you saw like, I don't know, somebody from Comcast or Verizon just outside. Would you actually have that sense of ownership and care for your own, the people paying your bills uh, to turn around on your day off and go inside and try to figure out what was up? You know, he just happened to be a person who was a longtime veteran of the company. They treated their people very well. And he was, he took pride in his work. He took pride in, in delivering food to Americans and you know, he said, no, this is part of where I, I care about what's going on at my building. And we, we thought it was a great, and eventually we had to produce the letter. We had to say, look, this is part of a test. Uh, good. And he confirmed it with his head of management. It's like, okay, okay. Neat, neat thing. Cool thing you're doing. And I'm instructed not to tell anyone else. Okay. Well, good luck, fellas. And we got challenged more aggressively on that job than any other job. And it really goes to show you how people will forever be either the big weak link in a lot of chains but if you treat your people right, and if you cultivate an environment where people take pride in their work, they're connected to their to their work, they really care about what they're doing, uh, your people can be one of your most tremendous assets as far as security and operations go. Man, that's a pretty incredible story. That's, that's awesome. So that, I am jealous. The, the one time that I've been on a physical pen test with Drew, uh, I had to walk down 32 flights of stairs. <laughs> because I because I didn't know how fire escapes worked. <laughs> so I am forever jealous of your line of work. Uh, it uh, sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah. And then when he walked down that 32 flight of stairs, literal a literal 32 flights of stairs with like in the summer with no AC. In, <laughs> Wearing in, a in button Atlanta. down and trousers. It's yep. so bad. He gets to the very last door and he sends me a picture and he's like, hey, Drew, can I go through this door? And I was like, no, it's alarmed. It's an emergency exit. It's going to it's going to alarm the building if you go out of it. 
<laughs> so he, he's waiting. So I have to go through this building now, go through their lobby, go through uh, another area where there's guards, and then open up the stairwell door so that he can get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough. Uh, <clears throat> hey, but we got in. We got in. Yeah. Um, we all the locks in. unlocked at that client site. At after 5 p.m., right? Was it 5 p.m., Chris? Yep, yep. yep and our yep. engagements were supposed to end at 5 p.m. every single day. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it definitely right is a fun field. And, you know, on the engagements that I've worked with with Dave, they've definitely been interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And they've been fun. And they all have their funny moments. They all have their panic moments as well, mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, snap. And no longer how, you know, no matter how long you've been doing this, you always have. Uh, it seems like uh, a moment or two where you're just like all the pieces are there, but you haven't put the puzzle on how you're going to make entry yet. And you're like, okay, how, how am I going to do this? And you're thinking in your head, at least I think in my head sometimes, you know, like, uh, I know, I know we're going to have the answer in like, you know, two hours from now, but right mm -hmm. now it just seems like such a daunting task to figure out the answer of how we're going to make entry um, before we execute the plan. And then once you are, once you've, you know, came up with a plan and you're executing it, it's just, everything just seems so easy. You know, you, mm -hmm. you get recordings of yourself on video and it, you look so cool. You're like, yeah, that was me. Um, you just don't see all the stressor parts before then where you're just trying to make up this plan to, to make sure everything works. Mm -hmm. But yeah, not, not to add to one part of that, uh, when, when they thought uh, Dave was crazy on the bike, he actually... Um, and this is my favorite part of the story. So I hope I'm not embarrassing you too much. No, uh, no, that's good. Um, he was in the trunk of a car already. They saw him go in the trunk <laughs> of a vehicle <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they went to the vehicle and I believe they knocked on it and, mm -hmm. uh, he popped out of the trunk <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? And, uh, he was like, oh, I was taking a nap. I nap in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sometimes I really, I, I'm uh, oversensitive to a lot of lights and sound and, Break rooms are okay, but sometimes I just really, it's a thing I do. My, my supervisor doesn't mind. Uh, yep. I'm just a little different. And they oh, let me wow. go. Yep. They yeah. let him go. He let him yeah. go. And then, yeah. and then he <laughs> had it like, he, we, we thought, incredible. we thought he was going to get stopped there. Right. And then like, he had to up the game to be like, oh, I have to get noticed. Right. And this was the mm -hmm. last day of the engagement. You know, we, we'd been there for two weeks and, and the client was just like, get caught. And it was, mm -hmm. I mean, just the the text messages and and the, the the videos that we were sending back and forth trying to get caught it, it was hilarious um but it was like how much did we have to do to like get caught and it, and it was very much yeah you know we were in an area where they didn't think that was going to happen mm -hmm. so hmm. so the three main takeaways you should take from this episode is there is a world outside of cybersecurity in the security space that you can be a part of and it can start your journey into that space can start as easy as going to a conference and picking some locks. Um, your network will also start from there and that will be a great asset to you. And don't, don't be discouraged when, when you're starting on to this journey and you see all these people with great success and these long careers and you think they popped up overnight they didn't. They spent the many, 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 many years and sleepless nights building this so that they can do that and their journey. And with that, I appreciate my friend Deviant of being able to join us. And I look forward to doing more projects with you and 
and watching more of your YouTube videos. With that, can you um, give us some of your links to follow you on social yeah, media? Sure. It's uh, I am Deviant Olaf, spelled not at all like it sounds. So good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> but I am slash Deviant Olaf on you know on Twitter, uh, where I mostly just shit post. On Instagram, where I mostly just affirm good photos of my friends and their animals. I am on GitHub for most of my projects because as as you all touched on, uh, if you really want to make a progress professionally in this career, uh, give things away, give as much away as you possibly can. If you don't have to absolutely have to monetize it, just give it away because you're going to get it back in spades. So loads of projects and designs I've created, I just throw them on GitHub. And uh, more than anything else, I am on that YouTube. I am not a a professional YouTuber because my channel doesn't have any real direction or I don't do any monetization or anything like that. But anything I think of that strikes my fancy, it winds up uh, youtube.com slash Olaf. Uh, some of it's going to be lock related. Some of it's going to be whiskey and food related. Some of it's just, you know, me camping, hunting, fishing, or, or having a fun afternoon. It's like YouTube back in 2003, just in 1080p resolution now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully 4K soon, right? Um, I got to get that better laptop to chug through that video. Yeah. Well, we'll put all those links in the description below. And thank you again for joining us for this episode. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Stevie. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or give us a rating on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe. Stay safe.